Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. When God's will isn't your will, you know, God's will is always love because the Bible says that God is love. And love is not something evil or difficult or unkind. And I just want to make it so clear before we start this because people have a confusion factor as to what God's will is. God's will is never to hurt us. God's will is never for us to be apart from Him or to go through the things that we do on this earth. God's will is demonstrated in the Garden of Eden. His will was for us to never die. There was not disease in the Garden of Eden, and Eden is demonstrated in the people that lived, even with sin, that brought sickness, that brought disease, that brought destruction. Adam lived to be, what, almost a thousand years? It was like 900-something years. And people that we look at in the Bible that lived to be 800 and 700, and then we get down to today where we live to be 75 or, or whatever it is, and then modern medicine allows us to live a little bit longer, but that was never God's will, and we forget that. I just want to remind you of that. It was sin that brought in sickness and disease and destruction. And it is sin that causes people to have a goal in their religion to kill other people. That is from the enemy. And that is sin and that is not God's will. And so often I hear people say, where is God and why is it his will for us to hurt so badly? Why is it his will for a child to die? Why is it his will for an airplane to blow up? Why is, is it his will for um, me to be struggling with this addiction? Why is it his will? It's not his will. The Bible says that his will is for us to have life and life abundant. That's what John 10.10 10 says. And his will was demonstrated in his son, Christ Jesus, who said, if you have seen me, You've seen the Father. And so we know that it's His will to heal because that's what Jesus did. It's His will for us to stand and to win against temptation because that's what Jesus did. Even as He was tempted by the enemy who came to Him when He was so weak physically, He had been fasting. And that's always when the enemy comes. He does not play fair. Know that. He comes when you're already weak, you're already exhausted, you've already been hit and hit and hit by life circumstances which are not God's will. And then he comes to tempt you and then that's when you have to have the word of God to stand where you will say, as Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And that's how you win against the enemy. Not because you have such strong moral fiber and not because you're a good person and not because of anything else other than you have the word in you as Jesus did. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that is the will of God. God is the one through Jesus who stoops down and touches the face of a child and reaches out. God is the one who through Jesus healed. And we have to know we live in a fallen world And we live in a temporary place. 
And it is God's will that his children know him fully and that we know his word and that we overcome the things that destruction has brought in through sin from the temptations of the enemy and from sickness and disease. So God's will is what he says in his word. God's will is Jeremiah 29.11. A will that is to prosper us and give us a future and a hope. And we've got to know that. We've got to know that God's will is good. Otherwise, why would we even want our will to be God's will? I've got to know that he is good. And he is love. And he has a good plan for me. Otherwise, when I'm talking about this series, the title being, When God's Will Isn't My Will, When God's Will Isn't Your Will, how would I even know to want my will to line up with God's will if I don't know that his will is good for me and my children? So I just want to emphasize that to you. I want to talk a little bit before I even start about our will You know, God's will being perfect, God's will being good, and Him being able to see the end from the beginning since He is the author and the finisher and and the perfecter of our faith. I just thank Him that He tells us in His Word that He's a three-part being. He is the triune God. He is God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. And we, too, are a three-part being. Why? Because we're made in His image, and we are... A spirit that will live forever, someplace, it's our choice. Either with God, if we choose Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, or apart from Him. And He gives us that choice. Because love is always a choice. And I won't go off on that teaching or that tangent, but that's the truth. We are a spirit that will live forever. That's what is going to live forever in you. You are a spirit. And you communicate with God through your spirit. You also are a body. And that's how we recognize one another on the outside. And that's temporary. And then you're a soul. And that's how you differentiate one person from another. Because that's your personality. And your soul is made up of three parts. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. And your will, and your emotions, and your mind are what fight against the will of God. Because our will says, I want, and our emotions say, I feel, and our minds say, I think. And so we want to start to learn as we learn the Word of God to live out of our spirit, not out of our soul. Because most Christians are trying to make it. In other words, live an abundant life that Jesus offers us in 1010, which is above the circumstances that you're going through. It's having joy even when you're going through difficult times. Because if you can't have joy when you're going through difficult times and you can't have joy when you're waiting on God for the answer and you can't have joy when your child's going through something difficult and you can't have joy when you're in a place that you don't want to be, then you will not have joy about 90% of your life. Because about 90% of your life, we are waiting on God, we are praying for something to happen, or we're going through something. About 90% of the time, maybe 95. Some of you may say 98 or 99. There's a very small percent of our life where we can say, you know what, everything is fine, 
Everything is taken care of. I have nothing that I really need to pray about or pray for. And I'm exactly where I want to be. You know, it's, it's, it's my reunion time and, um, in a couple of weeks. And I said to Lacey, I would not go back to high school. Would you? You know, it's hard to go through high school. And it's not that I didn't have a great time and great experiences. And yes, I loved cheerleading. And yes, I, I loved all the things that went along with it in a way. But I wouldn't go back. See, mostly where we are, we're going to someplace else. But we've got to know how we can enjoy life on the journey. And part of that is getting his word so much in you that no matter what you're waiting on, no matter what you're praying for, you have joy because joy comes from faith and trust in God's will. It's in knowing that God has a good plan for our children. It's in knowing that God has a good plan for me. It's in knowing that I can trust God and I don't have to fight against what He's doing in my life. But we cannot do that if we know Jesus and we are Christians and we're not pouring His Word into our lives because that's how our will starts to conform to His will. And the most unhappy Christian you can find is someone whose will doesn't line up with God's will, and who's not living out of their spirit. They're living out of their soul. We are a three-part being. Body, soul, and spirit. And I will venture to say that the majority of Christians are living out of their souls. Their mind, their wills, and their emotions, and not out of their spirit, which is what Jesus did. Jesus didn't ever say, well, you know what I think? Or you know what I feel? He said, it is written. And when we can start to have our will conform with God's will, there is joy and there is faith. And where there is faith, anything is possible. The Bible says in Luke one thirty seven that all things are possible with God. And so I'm excited to teach this teaching when God's will isn't your will. And I didn't come up with that topic because... Um, Everything's just so easy right now, and I just thought you all might need to hear it, but I certainly don't. I came up with that because I prayed, and that's the topic that God gave me, but also it's what we all need to hear. What happens when my will isn't God's will? What happens when I don't think it should be happening, these things to me right now? What happens when I don't really think I want to honor my mother and father? No matter how old you are, that can be an issue. What happens when life circumstances don't line up with my will? Why are you doing this, God? And that's what I want to talk about today. When life circumstances don't line up with your will, this CD is actually going to be titled, When God's Will is an Inconvenience. <laughs> Does anyone relate to that? When God's will is an inconvenience. And I said, God, I can think of so many times in my life when your will has been an inconvenience. Sorry, but it's true, God. And I can think of times when your will has been such an inconvenience that I went with my will instead of your will. And when I've done that, I've missed things that I didn't even know because that's what happens. It's not so much that God's out to get us. 
is that we miss the blessing. We miss the blessing. And we don't even ever know what that blessing was. And I don't want to miss any blessing from God, do you? I don't. Because His blessings are never things that we could ever even think of. They're exceedingly abundantly above all we could hope or ask or think, as it says in Ephesians 3. So, I want us to look at when God's will isn't our will. And I want to say something that God's revealed to me many times, the majority of times, for me and I think for you, when God's will is an inconvenience, it has something to do with our neighbor. God says, these are the most important commandments that I can give you. If you knew nothing else, know this. Jesus said, these are the two most important commandments I can give you, and they are this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Do you hear those parts in us? And love your neighbor as yourself. And when we're inconvenienced and our will doesn't quite line up with God's will, most of the time it has to do with our neighbor. Most of the time. And your neighbor is not the person that lives next door to you, although it could be. For Lacey and I it is. Your neighbor is anyone and everyone. Your neighbor is your enemy. Your neighbor is that person that's hurt your family. Your neighbor is that person that you don't particularly care for. Your neighbor is the people in another culture who um, would like to destroy America. That's your neighbor. Your neighbor is anyone and everyone. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you have your Bible with you, I want you to turn to Luke 10.25. The parable of the Good Samaritan is the perfect example when my will, your will, does not line up with God's will. And I'm going to read... Jesus said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down the road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. And then you have a Levite who's someone who knows the law. And they too pass by. They look and pass by on the other side. And it's interesting how Jesus relates through the writings of Luke that they pass by on the other side. In other words, they got as far away as they could from the inconvenience. Almost as if to say, I didn't see you. And I do that sometimes. I'll see a situation where someone has a need or a hurt and I'll almost pretend to God that I didn't really see it because I don't want to be inconvenienced. You know, it's the times that, that you go to fill up your car with gas and, and you're in a hurry because you've got your list to check off 
course, if you're like me, you've, got, you've printed that list on a computer and, and, and you know exactly what you want to do that day. Is anybody else hyper type A control freak? And I have things I want to check off and I want to do and that person is not in my list. I did not write person at gas station wants to talk about marriage. I didn't write that in my list. And I have things I need to do. And so while they're talking, I feel myself just churning on the inside like, get it over with, get it over with. Has that ever happened to you? And God says, love your neighbor as yourself. And we have to stop and say, God, is this my neighbor right now? Am I the chosen person? Am I the good Samaritan? The person that was injured was not a Samaritan. But Jesus' example is that here comes a Samaritan and sees the person that's hurt on the road who has been passed by by a priest, has been passed by by a Levite, But here is this Samaritan that sees him. And as he journeyed, verse 33, Luke 10, he came where he was and he saw him. And then unlike the priest and unlike the Levite, the Bible says four important words that we need to hear in our lives because they most reflect God's heart and they most reflect the will of God. And those four words are, and he had compassion. And he had compassion. You know what compassion is? It's not pity. See, pity does, pity like looks and then turns away. I read a poem like that one time and I thought, that's a perfect description of pity. Pity looks and sometimes turns away, but compassion always goes for action. Compassion is an action word. Always in the Bible it says, and Jesus healed them because he had compassion. And God helps you because he has compassion. And you know why God has mercy upon us every day? Because he has compassion for us. He loves us. Why do you love your children even when you don't like them? Because you have compassion. And 99% of the time when I don't like one of my children, and and it's not very often, it's because they're acting just like me. (laughs) Isn't that true? Compassion leads to action. Verse 34, So this Samaritan man went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. He stopped everything that he was doing. He picked up the neighbor that he didn't even know and he took care of him. And you know what's so significant to me? He did not try to go back to his people and say, we need to do something. He did it. And so often we'll see a need. And instead of stopping and saying, God, am I to meet that need financially? Am I to meet that need by helping that person saying, yes, I will meet with you weekly and we'll go through the Bible. Am I to meet that need? We so often go back to our church or go back to a person that we feel like is more spiritual than we are. And we say, here's this person. Can you meet their need? And maybe that is God's will, that we be the intervener, in other words, and say, here's this person. Meet their need. But stop and pray first and ask God, is it me that you're tapping on the shoulder? Is it me 
so easy to pray and always think it's someone else. And here this man not only takes care of him, but when he needs to go, verse 35, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of them and whatever more you spend, I will come and I'll repay you. He follows up. Verse 36, so which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? And the lawyer who was asking him questions that precipitated this parable from Jesus that I personally think might have been a true story says, the one who had mercy on him, the one who had compassion on him, the one that did something. And Jesus says, to him and to us today. Go and do likewise. See, when God's will isn't my will, sometimes it's because I'm inconvenienced. I had a person, though, call me, and of course I'm going through a lot. And they have a very close friend that they've known for many, many years, many, many, many years, and they are almost 70, and their close friend is in the hospital. She pulled all her tubes out. Um, She has diabetes. She does not know Jesus Christ. She has liver failure. She has cancer. Very little time. And this person said, continue to pray, continue to pray. And I said, share Jesus. It's at the end. Share Jesus. And this person said, I can't. And I thought, why not? And this person said, I can't. And the Lord said, you do, Kathleen. I said, I can't call her. I don't know what hospital. And the Lord said, no, write a letter. And I said, what an inconvenience. I need to get ready for Sunday. I'm going through a lot. Lord, surely it's not me. And God said, yes, it is you. And so the letter was written and emailed to the person that will read it to this person You know, we're inconvenienced and so many times we can't say, it's not me. We have to pray because sometimes it is. And even my will rose up against God's will, even though I so want to please God. So it's a lifetime of recognizing my will may not always line up with God's will. And I'm still going to be inconvenienced because I don't know God's will. But there's always a blessing in the inconvenience, and I can't wait to hear the rest of that story. It took me two hours to write that letter because I wanted to hear from God. And then after that, I had no time to prepare for this class. But I know that there's going to be a blessing in it, not only for them and and her, who I pray does receive the Lord Jesus and will be with Him forever, but I believe that God will be speaking strongly to us Because he had me do something other than be able to prepare fully. Many times God's will is an inconvenience to us, but it may save another person. Many of you knew when I was going through the eye situation as a result of of the chemotherapy that I received. um, You know, none of that's been my will, by the way. Just so you know. And uh, my eyes for... Almost a year were just 
it was from the chemo and the doctors were saying, we don't know what we can do. They biopsied, they do all sorts of things to make sure there wasn't anything bad going on that they could see and they didn't have an explanation. And I was on a walk and I saw someone that I didn't know real well, but I knew somewhat well. And she said, how are you doing? And instead of saying, fine, thank you, I told her the truth. You know, sometimes we won't get the help we need until we humble ourselves enough to tell the truth. And many times, God is not going to allow you to get better on your own because we need one another and He's tapping a good Samaritan to help you. We are the body of Christ and we, in and of ourselves, are not going to be able to do everything. We need one another. And I don't like that. I don't like to need somebody. I want it to be just me and God. I don't like to reveal to somebody. And especially as someone who has a ministry, I don't like to ever say, you know, I'm really not doing too good. You know, so this was a couple years ago, and you all know I'm doing great now, so never, I'm not going to need anybody anymore, right? Wouldn't you love that if you could just go, okay, I'm fine now. It's just me and God. I never will need anyone anymore. My personality, my natural personality that's being conformed to the will of God because we're not supposed to conform to our natural personality or to this world. Romans 12.2, my favorite scripture, says we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind, which is what? Part of our soul, which is what? The part that doesn't agree with God. Because, see, I want... That's one of the first things that children learn And we don't teach them. We don't sit them down and say, you know, you're almost six months old or eight months old or 11 months old and and it's time for you to learn to be selfish because that's what we all are. And so I'm going to teach you two words. Say, I want. Repeat after me. We don't do that. It's natural for them in this fallen world. And so I didn't want to tell her I wasn't doing well and I didn't want any help I didn't want to be embarrassed. But that's the only way sometimes in God's plan for us to be totally healed. Sometimes it's just us and God, but sometimes it's got to be other people. I've told this story before, but when I was in the hospital, and I knew, I knew, I knew that I was going to be healed of leukemia. I knew. I knew that I had more things to do on this earth. And I'm not saying that Anyone who hasn't been healed, that I'm better or I knew more, I didn't know more and I'm not better. By the grace of God, I'm here. But what I didn't understand is why then would I need all these blood transfusions. I had 27 and each of them represents six or seven different people. That's a lot of blood. I had um, platelet transfusions. On top of that, so why? Why would God make me need people when he could just heal me on his own? Why? And God clearly said to me, Kathleen, I am teaching you that you need people. And you will continue to give out the message that people need people. We're not supposed to just go to church and say, I'm fine if we're not. There might be someone that God has tapped to be the Good Samaritan that brings you to 
the total healing that you need. There may be someone that God taps that will help you with the financial need that you have for the ministry that God has told you to do. There might be someone that you need to talk to about your marriage. There might be someone that you need to be able to say, I'm struggling with pornography. There might be someone. Or you can try it on your own and do the same thing that you've been trying to do and it's not working. And so when I was on this walk, I ran into this person and she said, how are you doing? And I said, you know what? I'm going to tell you the truth. If God doesn't heal me soon, I want him to take me. And maybe some of you have felt that way. I'm just being really honest with you because I was suffering so greatly. And this person took it upon herself to pray for me. She didn't say, I'm going to pray for you and I hope you get better. I'm going to... God tapped her on the shoulder to be a good Samaritan. And in the busiest time of of her life, with so much going on, she has six children. They're a little bit older, but still, that's pretty busy. I have two, and I can't even imagine six. I don't have that grace from God whatsoever. Matter of fact, more than two children would just drive me crazy. And I love children, but I don't love children like, oh, I just can't wait to go and and be with them. And I love my children, but that's why they don't have me helping out in the, in the nursery because I'm not equipped. I'd be most unhappy, and, and so would the children. <laughs> she prayed, and she found a church that was having a seminar on healing, and she just, with nothing else to do, she said, we're going, and it was in Georgia, and she rented a double wide <laughs> that we stayed in. And we went to that church, and you know what? It had nothing to do with that church. It had to do with getting away and knowing that someone that barely knew me would love me enough. See, don't miss the blessing. And I know, I'm I'm sure that God has blessed her many, many ways in her life for doing that. And we now are so close and such good friends. And I have other good Samaritans in my life who have been there for me past the point of their responsibility. You know, it's so easy to say I can't, and it's so easy to say it's none of my business, and it's so easy to say I think I'll walk on the other side of the road. But let's pray and say, God, I may not need to be there for all people because you're not called to all people. You're not called to save the world. And I have to remind myself of that all the time. But I am called to some people. And for those people that I'm called to, I will do all I can do. The saddest Christian life I could think of would be that of a priest or a Levite who knew the Word but never acted upon it. Who knew the written Word of God that he was loved but never felt it and never demonstrated it. You'll never feel more love than when you're giving it. And she took me to this little church in Georgia and It had everything to do with our late night talks and our morning walks and a healing process that God started there until I was totally healed. That's God. And I have to think, what if she had passed by me on the other side of the road? 
Well, I'll sure pray for you. I hope you get better. What if she had? Or what if I had decided it is not my responsibility to write this letter? Hopefully, it will be read to her today. Would you pray for that? It will be read to her today. Her choice will be today or tomorrow, whatever God's plan is, but would you pray for that? What if I had said, it's not my responsibility, it's yours. You know, sometimes we have to not look at what anybody else is doing and say, God, is it me? When God's will is an inconvenience. And I have to wonder, what if she had passed by me on the other side of the road? But she didn't. And then after that, um, our ministry was formed. During the whole time that we were there, I was walking with her on these beautiful roads, you know, in Georgia, just green, green, green with just these huge evergreens and, and, and walking down these little country lanes because this was like a little country church in a little bitty town and we were staying in this little double wide together and I'd never stayed in a double wide for a week before and it was awesome. And God was there and the Holy Spirit were there and they were present because they had set up that. It was a setup. Just like so many encounters that we have. And I told her, I said, God has a ministry that he's put in my heart. And, and I just know that that is his will. And then now that the ministry's formed and we get letters and emails daily and phone calls of, thank you, you're there. I, you, your message has, has saved my life or your message has changed my family. And I think, what if she had passed by me by the other side of the road? Or what if the other good Samaritans in my life, or your life, weren't there? And I want to say, I want to be one of them. I don't want to be one of those people that God tries to reach to do His will. And I'm just a Christian that He can't work with because I'm not living out of my spirit. I'm living out of my soul, what I want, what I think, what I feel. So this series will take you through living out of your spirit and looking at when is God's will, not my will. And I just want to leave you with this. Don't be afraid to be inconvenienced. There's a blessing in it. And stop and ask. You're not meant to save everyone. That's Jesus' job. But you are meant to help some. And it's so important for us to stop and ask, is this the one? Am I the Good Samaritan here? And it's important that we have a heart to not be like the priest in the parable who passed by on the other side and not be like the Levite in the parable who passed by on the other side, but to have that heart. I want to be there. At the beginning of our day, before we step out of bed, we should have a willingness to say, God, I have my schedule And again, those of you that are type A that have your schedule and know exactly what you're going to do that day are just with me on this. Some some other personality types, I guess, are are more pliable. Um, I'm the least pliable. Can I just say that? And yet, I'm becoming more pliable because I don't want to miss the blessings. So say to God before you even get up, I have my schedule, but I'm willing to be inconvenienced. And that's when we will be used of God on this earth. 
How many times was Jesus inconvenienced? As he's going to pray for someone who's dying, he has a woman with the issue of blood pulling on his hem. Think about it. How many times was he inconvenienced? As he's going from some place to another place that God's called him to, he has a centurion come up and say, there's someone at my house who is dying and in great torment. How many times was Jesus inconvenienced? How many times? That is the will of God, that we listen to him and that we receive the blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us, help us, Lord to hear your word, to hear your Holy Spirit. When we have our way, we have our day, we have our comfort zone, we have our will. And maybe we feel like even, gosh, somebody should be helping me and you send someone in our path that you have appointed and anointed the time for us to be the Good Samaritan for them. Help us, God, not to miss it for them and for us. Help us, God, to not say that's just not protocol. You just don't do that. Help us, God, to not say it's none of my business or I don't have time. Help us, God, to not be afraid. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would act upon your will and receive the blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org. K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.